Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first episode for 2021. We hope you had a good holiday season and we're happy to be back. My name is Grant McCarran and I'm joined as ever by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and also the host of the show. Welcome, Lindy. How are you doing this year? Well, I'm glad to be back. And today we're going to be talking about giving sustainable packaging a voice. It's the all-important business of how we go about educating institutions, brands, and consumers to make sustainability the number one factor when making their purchasing decisions on packaged products. Joining us on the PKN podcast today is former Brand Power presenter and household name, Sally Williams, also known as Sustainable Sally, and she'll tell us all about that moniker in a few minutes. We also have Austin Ramage, product manager at Martog Group. Now, Martog is a company involved in recycling plastics and creating from that a recycled plastic product range for packaging manufacturers and their brand owner customers. Sally and Martog have recently forged an alliance to put a big voice behind recycled plastics and together to champion the cause to consumers and brand owners of increasing recycled content in packaging. So welcome, Sally and Austin. Let's get going. Let's kick off with you telling us a little bit more about why Sally has joined forces with Marta. We'll start with you, Austin. Hi, Lindy, and thanks for having us. I think when we we looked at at how to sell our recycled PET and and subsequently our recycled high-density polyethylene, it required a different different sales approach. Uh, We needed to sell to consumers and we needed to to get consumers to see the value or the benefit of or or the necessity of using recycled content in the packaging that they're consuming. Uh, And to do that, I think we needed a different voice. So Sustainable Sally is is widely recognised and and a a respected voice with both brands and consumers. And I think it was important to work with somebody who advocates for brands that they, that they truly believe in. And I think Sally, Sally definitely does that. And, and yeah, I think primarily gave us the ability to talk to brands and consumers, which is not really a, a customer base that we've talked to historically or in the past. Sally, how about your, from your side of the story? Well, hello, first of all, Lindy, and thank you for having both of us. It is very exciting to be here, and especially considering it's your first podcast for the year. So it's lovely to be a first up. Go us, Austin. (laughs) Um, Sign of things to come. Look, I got on board, um, and I was thrilled to be asked by Austin. I met Austin um, late 2019 at a conference. We got talking, and he got to understand what Sustainable Sally was all about, and I got to understand more about what recycled plastic is all about and how important it is in the packaging industry and the fast-moving consumer good industry, which is my home. It's where I belong. So we, we just formed this synergy really then and it took about, a you know, probably eight months after that for us to join forces. And I wanted to come on board simply because it's my, it's, it's what I do. Linking really, I think, B2B with B2C, talking to the consumer. I know that the, I think we're all starting to realise now that the consumer, and let's face it, we are all consumers whether we're in the business world or we're just out shopping, you know, for the kids, whatever it is, we are all doing that. So we have a responsibility. And the consumer is starting to become a lot more savvy. They want to know about the packaging. They, they're starting to realise that it's not just about making 
a purchase, a single purchase, just for the sake of what's inside the packaging. But it's also about what they're going to do and taking responsibility for that packaging when they get it home. What's its end of life? Has it? What's it been made out of in the first place? You know, how many greenhouse gas emissions has this product, you know, created in its infancy? And 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 I have a responsibility now as a consumer to to make that choice there and then. And, um, and I want to know what to do with it when I get home. I want to know that it's going to be recycled or it can be recycled again. That's what I love about the RPET and the MARPET brand especially is that it's not only doing that, but it's also an Australian manufactured business, which is another thing that I support in a very big way since I moved away from brand power into sustainable Sally. I think it's important to keep business here. So, Talking of that, move to Sustainable Sally. Who is Sustainable Sally and, and why did you, what, what prompted you to make that move from brand power? Well, it was, it was a big move, but it was, a, it was a long time coming, I must admit. I mean, I've been the brand power lady for 25 years presenting fast-moving consumer goods on TV, so everybody's seen me. I know, 25 years, can you believe that? And um, I'm, I know, and I moved away um, in late 2017 simply because I wanted to um, take responsibility for my own decisions and the work that I do. I, was, I was, had a great career, earned wonderful money, had a great job, got up, went to work and felt like I was doing a fabulous job. But to be honest, I don't think I really was in the end. I realised that there is so much more to just getting out of bed every day and going to work. You know, I had a personal responsibility uh, to to what I do, and and I talk to the consumer. My my audience is everyone, the consumer all around this country. I speak to them. I am, I guess, one of the first influencers that was ever out there before we realised what an influencer was, because my ads were on almost every second ad break. <laughs> I can see you laughing there, Grant. It's so true, though, isn't it? And I realised that in, I have a huge impact, and 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 for that reason, I thought, well, you know. I have to stop what I'm doing and move over and only support brands and businesses that are making a dedicated contribution to sustainability in order for me to, to achieve that personal satisfaction in my work. And I knew I had to make that stand. So I just said to the guys in there, look, can we create something, you know, that, that I can move away from brand pan, perhaps head up something else that's only supporting those brands that are now starting to get onto the supermarket shelves simply because the consumer is wanting it. And looking for it way back then, they said, "Oh no, look, we're just—it's just not our space." So I said, "Well, then I can't continue with you." So I made a decision not to resign, moved away, and and now, uh, well, I guess Sustainable Sally just morphed. She just—it was an organic growth, which was lovely, and she is what she is today. And she, as I said, only supporting businesses and services and brands that are only um, making a dedicated contribution to sustainability, such as Martog and Company. So I just I'm, I'm interested in your approach there, Sally, about um, saying that consumers are asking for it. They want more sustainable products, wanting something, but actually putting their money where their mouth is are two different things. Do you think that the gap between people saying they want sustainable products and actually being prepared to possibly pay more for a sustainable product is getting more narrow? I do. And I think it's, we need education, which is another reason why I've come on board with Martog, because together we're going to be educating the consumer in this way. I think when the consumer understands the process and understands 
uh, recycled plastic, and this is where Austin will step in and, and talk about it in, in depth there, um, when they understand the whole process and they understand their part in it and the importance of their part in it and how much they can also impact the planet by making a better decision, they will. They absolutely will, and I think they're looking for those products now. So, Austin, what do you think? Yeah, look, I think carrying on from what Sally was saying, Lindy, we have a waste problem in Australia and, and many countries around the world. So for decades, we've we've exported our plastic waste, we've sent it to another country um, to make it their problem. And we can't do that now. Those countries don't want our plastic waste. We're going to have to do something with the plastic waste here in Australia. And the reality is, uh, whether, you know, whether we like it or not, the only way to do that is by manufacturing and consuming uh, packaging products and, and frankly, all products that are made out of plastic using recycled content, because that's really the only way that you consume the plastic waste that we generate. Uh, so, Austin, your choice of Sally, um, someone who has street cred, immediately gets you to talking to consumers. The important thing, though, is also raising awareness with the end user, the brand owner, and then obviously your customer, the packaging converter. Are you going to be addressing all of these touch points? Yes, yes, that's the intention, Lindy, of the partnership with Sally would be that it's to to talk to everyone in the supply chain, all the way from um, government to, to brand owners to packaging converters and consumers, because it's, uh, it's it's going to require an effort from everyone to to achieve the outcome that we that we need or you know that we desire, which is to to minimise our, our our plastic waste footprint. So what are the reasons that brand owners should be considering using locally produced RPET? Well, I think that that fundamentally the reason for that is because we generate plastic waste in Australia and we need to then be consuming that waste uh, through RPET, through RHDPE, through recycled polypropylene, really through all different um, through all different types of plastic and different polymers. Uh, but we need to consume we need to consume that waste locally because we can't export it now. So um, one of the things I thought perhaps you could just explain for Grant, who might not know what RPET is, and for some listeners who may also just want to understand the process of a PET bottle, which is typically what we drink our soft drink in, a plastic bottle, becoming recycled PET as a result of the process that you have invested in at Martog. Okay, so the, look, there's a couple of different collection uh, processes, but essentially if you take a, a, a bottle of, of water, for example, it's placed in the recycling bin, uh, it goes through a, a murphing process where it's separated out from other, uh, from other packaging items like cardboards and metal and glass, and then the, the mixed plastic is further separated again. So you take um, PET, separate it from HDPE and polypropylene and other polymers. You then have to uh, wash that PET bottle through a through a hot uh, hot wash process, and then at that point you have a hot washed uh, cleaned flake, and then you can uh, reprocess it through. Um, in our in our case, it's a vacuarema process, which is under a high vacuum and high heat to remove uh, any volatiles out of the polymer, and then at the end of that process, it's a recycled food grade pallet. Um, that can be in, uh, moulded or, or re-extruded into a product again. So you have, as Martog, invested quite considerably over time. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the company's establishment and, where, and the direction that you're taking in terms of uh, the recycling facilities that you're investing in? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Martog was founded in 1975. It's a privately owned uh, and operated business. And really right from the outset, recycling was was part of what we've what we've always done. It was formalised in 2006 when we uh, created Martog LCM, so Martog Lifecycle Management. And then that business was really uh, in the early days uh, focused around recycling industrial waste from from our wide customer base that we have in trading and and compounding uh, virgin polymers. And really, about five or six years ago, we started to look at what was the next what was the next opportunity, and recycled PET seemed like that. And so we invested in our first vacuuma, which was four thousand five hundred tons per annum capacity. And then very soon after, we saw the you know we saw the demand uh, continuing, and invested in a second line. Uh, which got us to about uh, 13,000 tonnes. And then we're just in the process right now of commissioning our third line, which will take our capacity to to 23,000 tonnes per annum of recycled PET. So, I mean, you guys saw from the opportunity from quite early on, but do you think that we're getting more impetus now in Australia, given that we're all chasing down the 2025 national packaging targets and suddenly there's an awakening that we need a circular economy? Yeah, well, without harping on too much about about the waste problem, you know, I think we we have we have an obligation to to do something with that. I say we as in as in Australia, but we have an obligation to do something with that plastic waste. And I think people are starting to understand that the way to do that is by, you know, supporting the circular economy for for plastics packaging in Australia. And we see that moving forward as well. You know, we've invested in the RHDPE capacity. Once again, it's a REMA technology, and uh, you know, within a few months, we'll have food grade recycled HDPE that we're offering to the market. And so, if we're talking about what our future focus is, you know, we see ourselves as a as an independent raw material supplier to the whole of the industry, and you know, as new technology is is developed or new processes um, are developed, that we'll look at investing in them to provide those recycled and sustainable resins to the industry. Okay, great. So you're taking care of that back end, the industrial end of it. So Sally, I want to talk to you now about some some consumer perceptions that you have encountered around plastic packaging around words like our pet and concerns potentially over the safety of reusing plastic? Well, first of all, plastic's not a dirty word. I think a lot of people think it is. You know, a lot of consumers think, oh, plastic's not fantastic. Well, it actually, it is. You know, it's it's used for a very good reason and, and we've got to take responsibility for the fact that, you know, it's okay. It's not really a single-use item. Plastic. A plastic container doesn't have to be single use. And there's that education there with the consumer um, that once they understand, I mean, just hearing Austin explain it all and watching you two nodding your head going, yeah, okay, you're starting to understand how it all works. Once you understand the process of recycling plastic and getting it back into another form of packaging again, it it encourages, I think, the consumer to look for that on the supermarket shelf and trust it as well to know that it's food grade. It's They pick it up, look on the back and see our pet, that it's been recycled plastic. Then they'll choose that product um, over one that hasn't. And that's where I come in. I want to educate and encourage the consumer to make those purchases when they're shopping. 
And I think the other important point there, Lindy, is it's it's an established market elsewhere in the world. So in Europe, for example, it's the, the notion of recycled PET back into food packaging is not is not new. So I think it's very new in Australia. And and yeah, sure, there's people who are who are um, reluctant or who who have concerns, but it's a well established market elsewhere in the world for use back into food packaging. Sally, when a brand like Coca Cola Amatil says, "Well, we're doing this." Does that help the cause for um, getting consumer awareness around our pet? Because they've got it very loud and proud on their bottles now. And I think 70%, the aim is to get 70% of their current plastic bottles as our pet bottles. Does that help? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. Yes, it does help. Of course it does, because it's encouraging uh, the consumer to feel a lot more comfortable about their purchases as well. And they're doing their bit too. So yeah, absolutely. Of course, more the merrier. We want to see this on our, on our shelves. We want all the businesses to be starting to move over into using recycled materials for their packaging or environmentally friendly materials in general. Let's face it. It's not just, we're not, I mean, we're talking plastic today, but you know, we can talk about other resources as well very important. So have you been having conversations with consumers in, in the lead up to this announcing this alliance? Have you been having conversations with consumers around um, their perceptions so that you could understand what you were dealing with when you're going out there to get a consumer message across to them? Oh, yeah, of course. Yes, yes. Uh, consumers talk to me and I talk to them all the time. And as I said earlier, you know, I'm a consumer too. So I'm asked the same questions when I'm, I'm in the supermarket and when I'm home and I'm, a, I'm sorting my, my waste out at home. So that's why I'm saying they, they are, and we know this, we've got the stats that um, the consumer is now very, very conscious about this and they want to do their bit for the planet. They actually want to know where to go. I mean, it's confusing when you go into the supermarket. One of the things with brand power is and why it was so incredibly successful uh, globally because it, it was a huge uh, global business. There's about 17 brand power presenters around the world now. We were just giving facts and information about, about that product and because it, it just made the shopping experience so much easier. So if I can educate the consumer around what they're looking for, the answers around is, can I feel comfortable making this purchase? Um, not just because I'm buying whatever it is inside the container, but I can do, I know this can, I'm doing my bit for the planet by supporting a business that is supporting sustainability within the packaging area as well, then, and I know I can dispose of it when I get home and it's going to go back into the circular economy. It's going to, I'm going to be supporting the circular economy as a consumer, then, um, then that's what my job is. And that's what they tell me they're looking for. They want to do it. We're all in this together. Well, how many times have we heard that? But it is so true. I mean, we are all living on this beautiful planet and we have to take responsibility. And it starts with the consumer. The consumer's asking for it. So now it, we, we, let's look at the brand. The brand owner has to make that decision. So I'd be interested to know, Austin, what are you finding are the roadblocks to taking up our pet as an option, as a material for brand owners? Look, some of the some of the issues that, that we hear of that, that brand owners will We'll talk about are that there's not enough there's not enough available that there's not enough recycled content available for them. Um, so so within within Australia or within the region, and I guess that's probably to be expected in some in some respects given that it's a it's a industry in its infancy. And I think that um, you know with our investment and investment by other businesses, you know there is a lot of capacity coming and a lot of investment in the space of of the processing capacity. Look, really, the the biggest issue, and and there's no point trying to shy away from it, is that is that 
the price. So recycled PET, as things currently stand and probably moving forward, will remain more expensive than virgin. And the reason for that is that the the supply and demand drivers that that drive the price of virgin PET are completely independent to those of recycled PET. So you take the last 12 months, for example, where during the pandemic, demand for for the feedstocks to generate virgin PET were were at an all-time low. And so pricing was incredibly low. And yet the costs of collecting and sorting and converting PET uh, waste or PET bottles into recycled PET pallets remain the same. So you have that you have that disconnect. Um, and so yeah, I think that's that's one of the one of the biggest issues is price. But you have to look at it holistically because the the cost of the the cost differential of using RPET in a bottle you know, is, is one thing, but you can't take all the benefits of using the plastic in the first place or using the PET in the first place um, and then and then only look at the cost of using RPET versus Virgin uh, in that moment. So let's talk about those benefits then. What are the benefits for the brand owner of using RPET? PET in itself is such a is such a, a dominant material. There's a reason why PET is used into so many different applications. It's lightweight, it's durable, it's reusable, and and what's even better for recycled PET is that it's pr- pretty much replaceable into any application where you can use virgin PET. So there really is no no change in a lot of instances if you're producing a bottle out of virgin PET to switch across and use recycled PET. It's basically like for like. Um, is it infinitely recyclable? So can that RPET bottle go back and be recycled again and used again? Look, time will tell ultimately, but I mean, the theory is and the science behind it is that yes, it is, uh, that yes, it is infinitely recyclable around and around. So for example, the Vacurema technology uh, builds IV, which is one of the raw material properties that's related to PET, and it builds IV so that you're constantly um, regenerating or, or, or revitalizing the, the polymer before you're reusing it. So the short answer is yes. And to elaborate further, the reality is that recycled content will probably continue to find its way back in as a percentage with Virgin anyway. And that's because we have other demands for PET recyclers, such as the textile market, for example, not to mention the fact that we don't actually have a 100% collection rate on PET for recycling in Australia anyway. In fact, I read recently it's less than 50%, which of course we hope will improve over time, partly because of the work we're doing. But at the moment, they, they go into the same recycling stream. So if I'm throwing away my Mount Franklin water bottle that is our pet and I'm putting it into the recycling stream with other virgin post-consumer products, that's all going to go into the same mix when it goes through the recycling process. Yes, it does. And and we already see our pet coming through in, in our machines uh, as a raw material at the moment and, and, it, and it, processes, it processes just the same as virgin. So we've got the benefits and I was going to ask Sally what is the plan, the, the, the alliance's plan, Martog and Sally Williams' plan, um, to educate the brand owner? At the moment, uh, we are just working on uh, some educational videos, which we are about to record, which is really exciting. So they'll be released soon. In time with the opening, I guess, the formal launch of the Vacurima, the, the largest machine that Austin was talking about before, which is um, about to get going, which is very, very exciting. So we're sort of tying it all in together. So the key is that we um, just become the loud voice, work together and just keep connecting and keep communicating with B2B and B2C as much as we possibly can, you know. And when you think about, you know, we were talking then about the recycled plastic, you know, when the consumer wants to know how much it's affecting the planet, 
And if I can say to people that it saves 79% of CO2 or greenhouse gas emissions, that, that's really important information for the consumer to know that, that by opting for that, then I'm also supporting the planet in that way because it's, that is a fact, 79% difference between virgin and recycled PET in the processing so I think that's um, really important. So we've got lots of things that we're doing. We're going to be doing some webinars, aren't we, Austin? And we're doing some connection and some training. We're going to reach out to schools. We're hoping to speak to the to the youth of today because, let's face it, they're the ones that are going to make the continue on with the change. They're learning it in this in the school system now. Um, they're like little sponges. They're incredible, the kids. And I think the most important thing I think here when it comes to packaging and recycle packaging, as I said before, it starts with the consumer, but it also starts with our youth and design. We need to be designing from the very beginning um, this packaging from from woe to go. And I think that's where we're starting to see a huge change now. You know, when we first started using plastic way back when, its end of life was never considered. Never. It was just, this is a great resource. It's a great product. Let's just do it. And it was all about business. But now we realise it's not about that. The business is to make sure that we're protecting the planet along the way. So I think um, reaching out to the, to the youth and the young ones and educating them with exactly what we were talking about, we've just been talking about today, is vital because they're the ones in the design room, they're the ones learning what to do with packaging from the very beginning where they resource the content for packaging is key. Yeah, just to add on to what Sally's saying, I think, you know, I think we have, a, it's an education piece for us. You know, so Martok has over 45 years of knowledge in the plastics industry in Australia. And, you know, we want to we want to be a voice, not just for Martok, but for the whole industry, um, you know, for the, pack, for, the, for the plastics industry and for the, for the recycling industry in Australia to say that there are, there are solutions out there, um, that, that, that there is material available and there are solutions for brands that are wanting to create more sustainable packaging Packaging and to try and educate the consumer to show that you know that 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 they, that they can continue to to use plastic bottles or plastic items or packaging items because so long as we do our part in 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 seeking recycled content in the packaging that we're buying that there is a circular economy there and that there is a that there is a sustainable future for our for our plastic. Well, that sounds like it sounds like you've got the plan, <laughs> and we're really looking forward to seeing how this rolls out in the next even over across the next year, because things are starting to happen pretty fast now in, in the packaging industry. And thank you both for joining us and for reminding us that we are all in this together, that this is a whole of industry project, and it is also a whole of society commitment. Thanks very much, Sally. Thank you, Austin. Thanks very much for having us, Lindy. Thanks, Lindy. Well, thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for the uh, first episode of 2021. We trust you've enjoyed this content. I've found it quite informative, and I'm, I too am looking forward to uh, seeing the uh, transition and how uh, Sally takes the uh, sustainability world forward with Martog. So thanks once again. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with more great content. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. 
You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.